Welcome. I'm Sarah Pollack. And I'm Quinn Faison. And together, we coach parents of preteens, teens, and young adults at Plan P. We have been there and done that. And when the going got tough, the P was for many things and always for practice, patience, and pause. The work that we do now as coaches has the full support and approval of both of our amazing children and teachers, Ellie and Harrison. So if you're a parent, you've come to the right place. We're going to give you tools to practice clear communication with your children, which will improve your relationships. We are so honored and excited to have you join us on this incredible journey where learning is in the pause and perfection is found in the practicing. Let's get moving. Hi, and welcome back to the Plan P podcast. This week, we've been talking to parents who are worrying about a lot of worrying going on, but it has brought us to talk about this notion that Rather than pondering the infinite possibilities, parents are perseverating on the problem. (laughs) I did not mean to use as many P's as I did in that sentence. And perseverating, because I said it earlier to you and you were like, what's the definition? So we have the dictionary out and you're going to read it or summarize. Well, perseverance is the steadfast pursuit of an objective, constant persistence. It's basically obsessing. (laughs) In modern language, it's obsessing. Right. And that's sort of like putting all your attention on the worst possible outcome. I mean, what worrying is, is perseverating on the worst possible outcome. Right, right not actually pondering that your worst possible outcome may never actually come to be and focusing exclusively on the quote unquote problem. Right. Right. And this doesn't help anyone, <laughs> least of all, least of all parents and definitely doesn't help our kids. No, it doesn't so, actually change anything to worry about it. Doesn't change a damn thing. Yep. Worry is ineffective. Yes. It has been proven ineffective. We have done no scientific surveys on this, but <laughs> but based on our case study of our family, yes. my panicking and worrying about things endlessly didn't change anything it was when I sort of stopped doing that, but I could even see that there were other possibilities. Right. So it adds stress without actually having any helpful attributes. Right. And it reminds me of that time I went to LA once and man, it was one of those flights and it's only an hour to LA. And I would say we were buckled in the whole way. It was that kind of flight where I think strangers were grabbing strangers arms. (laughs) And the guy next to me looked at me and said, I think they left my stomach 10,000 feet up. I mean, we were getting thrown around like nobody's business. And when we landed, the plane sort of lurched and then the pilot said, whoa, whoa. And then said, as we were exiting the plane, and we hope that you have a fabulous day having had the safest part of your journey. Right. Which was just a reminder that car accidents are much more prevalent than 
plane accidents. Right. I think he said even, don't forget, when you get in your cars, buckle up for safety. (laughs) And we forget. We know intellectually the odds of that plane crashing are, and I looked this up, there is a one in 11 million chance of being in a commercial airplane accident, according to Scientific American and many other sources. And the odds of dying are even far below that. Mm. And still, we get afraid. Yeah, well, we, we're not in control of the plane and it's up in the air, <laughs> which is a little frightening. And we drive in cars all, all the time. So it's normalized. Right, it's way. our familiar. It's our familiar. And I think that, but they also think that that thing about control, backseat drivers, like, mm-hmm. how do you backseat drive an airplane? Right. Like, we can't. So it's next level out of control. Right. Out of our hands, out of our control. And our fear takes over. And fear is a feeling. It's not a fact. Yeah. So unfortunately, all of the information that you can gather around it only helps a little bit. For me, knowing the numbers can relax me a little bit, but it it doesn't actually take away the fear. What it takes away is the crazy I put on top of the fear. Right. Right. It makes it tolerable to be in the plane. Right. So flying is one of those things that there's turbulence and we all get afraid and then the plane lands. And usually it's just a little turbulence over, you know, somewhere in the middle of the country. The kind of flight that I had down to LA is not that common. Right. It's constant like that. And the teen years, they're turbulent. Yes. Turbulent is a good word for the teen years. And our fear can take over. And a plane, I can talk myself out of it and remain fairly calm. Mm Mm-hmm. During the teen years, I wasn't so good at that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think you feel responsible as a parent, right? So that adds a layer to the fear around it. Yeah. They're going off in the world. There's that launch stuff again. (laughs) (laughs) And the odds? They're in your favor. They're far in your favor. The odds are that the kids are going to be all right through the turbulence. They're going to take off. And do amazing things. We're not so good at um, masking it as much either. Like, I remember taking flights with Allie when they were a toddler. Actually, both the kids through their lives, I was afraid of flying. I mean, not like terrified afraid. I wasn't one of those people who can't get on a plane and has real phobia. But you've been with me on planes. Mm. Well, my arm was never the same after one flight. (laughs) Yeah, I get scared. I don't get as scared anymore, but for many, many years, I got scared. And your your arm tells the tale. (laughs) So the teen years, they're just really hard years for that human who is going through those turbulent times. Right. So, yeah, part of this is remembering that this is a stage that they're going through and that they are becoming adults. And they are trying a lot of different things. And that's what a lot of the turbulence is. They don't have solid footing at the moment. Right. And I think it's really important for us as parents to remember the the odds are they're going to be okay. Mm -hmm. And that reminds me that when Allie was, we flew together as an adult once, and we must have hit turbulence. It must have been in those more fear-filled years of mine where I grabbed their arm and they looked at me like, who are you? You're afraid (laughs) of flying? Because they didn't have no idea when they were little. 
Right. And totally was like, no, we're going to go up, up, up and away. Whereas with you, I was like, mm, we're going to, mm, this is the scariest time is the takeoff. But I didn't do that. And I think that as parents of teens, it's good to remember that we can, you know, find that balance, that stability for ourselves. Right. So that they don't see us being crazy. <laughs> and in that the kids are going to be all right. The odds are the kids are going to be all right. The data about the airplane sent me on a whole data spiral. Mm. And it's harder to come up with data about teen years and addiction or cutting or all the things that we worry about. But I've got a few bits. Okay, good. I'm going to read to you now. This is from Psychology Today and several other sources, but basically this is the direct quote. And this is about addiction, uh, recovery from addiction. But I think it's also worthwhile to point out here that self-harming and food disorders are also obsessions. Yeah. Well, they're self-soothing behaviors. Right. So in this turbulent time, they are trying on different self-soothing behaviors. Right. Most of which won't last. Right. So that's number one point, mom and dad, guardians, caregivers. Which is not to say don't take it seriously if you, Absolutely. If you see it. It's just to say... We're trying to find help you find balance. Find the balance, right. Okay, so recovery from addiction uh, is not only possible, it is the rule rather than the exception. According to the latest U.S. National Survey on Drug Use and Health, more than 75% of people addicted to alcohol or drugs recover. Their condition improves and substance use no longer dominates their life. The National Institute of Health reminds us that effective treatment supports the whole human. Because what we tend to do, what a lot of parents and I did, was we perseverate, we really focus, without mm -hmm. the definition, on the problem. And we forget about the whole human. Right. We're, we're trying to fix that one thing. Yeah. Which makes the child that one thing. <laughs> which they are not. And that's a, just a very Western way to look at these things. Like we try to focus in on. Right. In it, medicine in general, you mean? In medicine in general. But it also, it, it comes into our personal lives in that desire that Oh, if the alcoholic would just stop drinking, everything, everything would be okay. Would you know, if the addict stops using, everything would be okay. If they start, you know, if they just get through high school, everything would be okay. If they, if we move everything, well, you know, like we, we want to attach it to one thing so that again, we have control. I mean, if it's about one thing, then if that thing changes, we can we, focus be, on right. that and then everything will be okay. And we definitely did that with Harris. And we're like, if we can just get through the junior year, which, you know, whew, yeah. that was a thing. Four schools later. Um, other statistics. Helpline.com. Those who self-harm don't necessarily have a mental health disorder. However, they may still benefit from psychotherapy interventions. So again, I think that particularly during the teen years, it's important to remember this. Yeah. They are using these things to help self-soothe, as you said. And they may not 
have them forever. They may not use this tool for soothing forever, just like they didn't use, you said this the other day, thumb sucking. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, that is, it is. I mean, some of these behaviors are going to be like thumb sucking or finger sucking. They're, they're soothing them now and they will grow out of them. You know, and a lot of that has to do with the the peers around them. What are What is everybody doing? What is everybody trying? Right. I'm going to pause here before I mention this next data. It's positive, but it's around the subject of suicide Mm. because that can be and is for all of us. Anyone who knows anyone who has taken their own life, particularly as a young adult or teenager. I think I want to pause for a minute and say, I'm going to give some data on this. And that does not in any way, shape or form try and disrespect or dishonor those children and their families. So that being said, the suicide death rate for age 10 through 24 decreased by 8.4% from 2021 to 2022. And the number was 6,529. And each of those deaths is an enormous loss that cannot begin to be measured. And that pain will be felt forever. Statistically, it's a very, it's a small, very small percentage. No, I know that personally, the school in which Harrison had applied to and gotten into and was enrolled in to go to high school the year before he went there, a child took his own life. And I think that impacted my feelings about that school in a way that I wasn't honest with myself about. Mm. I was looking at it as this is a small school and one kid. Mm. There's a very high percentage of suicides. And in certain areas, if you look at suicides rates around the country, it really is way higher in other some places than others. Actually, California is pretty low. Mm. Wyoming is so sadly high. Mm. So in that way, we're here to talk about having hope and other possibilities. I think I just want to point out to parents that we worry about that a lot. We worry about the kids. We worry about addiction. We worry about cutting. We worry about suicide. We worry about all these things. And the odds really are good that they're going to make it through these years. Yeah. They're not going to necessarily land where we think they're going to land. (laughs) We are not in control. Yes. NPR had a thing that... Less visible are the people who survive the illness and rebuild their lives. We are literally surrounded by people who are in recovery from substance use disorder, but we don't know it. Right. I personally had what would now be defined as an eating disorder in college. Right. I mean, I was bulimic. I was very good at it. There's a high percentage of girls. I think, I don't think it was as high a percentage when I went to school, but I don't know because I know I learned from someone else. And now we have social media that can teach everyone how to do everything. Yeah. Well, in my memory is that if you took that as a scale, everybody was somewhere on it. Yes, exactly. You know, there were the people, and this is my group, who, you know, put on a lot of weight. And that wasn't just because the food was so (laughs) starchy. I mean, some of it was that I eat for comfort. Right. Well, that's Mayo Clinic. 
and they're talking about self-injury in this quote, but while self-injury may bring a sense of calm and a release of physical and emotional tension, it's usually followed by guilt and shame and the return of painful emotions. So these are temporary releases, right. which is why we have to keep doing them and doing them and doing them. Right. Because they give us release. But we also know that most people, particularly some of the self-harming things, most people grow out of. Right. Addiction. A lot of kids behave in ways in college that they don't after college. Right. And again, back to a previous podcast, I think it was the second one. If you're paying attention and not living in denial, finding that balance is possible as a parent. Right. Some of these behaviors, I mean, they are self-soothing and they're going to decide, oh, I'm, it doesn't last for long enough. I still have all my problems, you know, when it lets go. Right. So they do give them up, right. a lot of them. And that's why as parents, it's really, really important that we are, and this goes back to our last podcast on trustworthiness, that we're the consistent, calm, right, stable people trusting that the plane's going to land. Yeah, because our worry can only, you know, add to their stress, right? And if we can be the calm in the storm, then, you know, that gives them a, a little bit of a place to rest. Right. And we become worthy of that trust. And then they can call us. They trust us. As you said, they still go out and experiment and do all sorts of They're going to do stuff. all sorts of stuff. But remember, what are the odds? <laughs> the odds are good. Odds are good. I don't know about any of the people out there, but, you know, most, I don't know. Gosh, you can, I mean, the majority of high school students will experiment with drugs and alcohol. Yeah. Whether that majority is 60 or 80% depends on which study you read. And we're busy working with parents who are in the six parents of children in the 60 to 80%. So, yeah, well, and you know, to remember that these are the years where they are experimenting with things. So and learning who they are, right? So drugs are going to be in that mix and who they are might not be a drug addict, right? I mean, physiologically, they're designed to go over the next hill and, and, <laughs> and just and, and, their lives and risk their lives. But also they're recognizing the executive function is coming online and that's the part of their brain that allows them to realize they are part of a larger world, not just part of a family. Right. So they're sort of expanding their horizons and they don't know exactly how they fit in those horizons and what they want to do and where they're going to be. You know, it's like, that's why it is so turbulent, but that's also why a lot of this stuff is temporary. Right. And as parents, if we are paying attention, and that is a very, very huge umbrella for each parent. Like We can't tell each parent individually on a podcast what they should do in their particular situation. I can tell you that Mayo Clinic and NIMH, there are lots of websites out there. Yeah. So it's more to go to those places to get information as to what to look out for. Right. Right. So... So that you're not going crazy about things that actually are not that important. Right. So this is something, ugh, I hate to disagree with anything on the Mayo Clinic because I really, really respect the Mayo Clinic enormously. It is the only thing I go to for health stuff. But they will, a lot of those sites will scare you and make you think that you need to turn around and control your kid who, did I mention? 
you can't control them. <laughs> so it's that finding that balance of these are the red flags and understanding for yourself, am I paying attention? Is that a red flag? Is it not? And then having communication. Yeah. Right. A lot of this is about communication. And you can say, I read on Mayo Clinic XYZ. What do you think of that? Right. Yeah, that's a one way to open up the conversation and see where they are on the continuum. Right. I mean, I think that the number one thing that a lot of places will tell you is to take care of yourself so that you are calm. You're not the one grabbing their arm on the airplane. Right. Because they're the ones who are going through it, through it. We are going through it as well. John Hopkins says for parents, by learning about whatever it is, addiction, learning about all these things, coping, really learning about your child, coping with your own feelings, finding professional help for yourself, and just being there to love and believe in your teen. You will provide the calm, steady support that they need. And that sort of summarizes everything. We don't actually need to do anything. We, we can just wrap it up. It's a wrap. <laughs> no, and, and I think the part of that is about the expectation. Yeah. We want them to fly through the teen years with not any turmoil. And that's actually totally not realistic. Completely unrealistic. And so the, the, the thing to shoot for is building a relationship with them that they can come and talk to you about the turmoil right? and you don't get dragged into it with them. Yeah. Sort of like, you know, I'm a swimmer. So a lot of, when I took my life um, guarding courses back a century ago, um, they, most lifeguards died saving people, right? Because they would get mm. dragged down by the person who was drowning. Right. So you you get close so that you can get a, a handle on them and be something that they can relax with because you're holding them. But you've got to be careful not to get grabbed by them in any way that hampers your ability to swim because you can go down with them because they're so afraid. So right. that's the... You know, that's a perfect analogy that's for a the teenager. Analogy. Yeah. You don't, don't want to go down with them. Right. And I think it's also important to remember that we are still relevant. They are so pushing away. They're so trying to be independent. Right. And they will tell you, you don't have any relevance and you don't understand and all sorts of things, but that doesn't mean that they don't hear what you're saying. Yeah. We can lead with love, mm -hmm. not control. Right. And this is the other thing, right? They're doing all these self-soothing things. Why do you self-soothe? Yeah. Because you're feeling feelings. You're having feelings, a lot of stress and anxiety going on out there today right. in the world. So, so our worry just has the potential to add to their stress rather than it doesn't alleviate their stress. Being calm will alleviate their stress. Right. So hold on to that mom and dad and caregivers and caretakers and guardians. Your stress is not going to help them. So how do you manage your worry? Because worry is ineffective at changing anything. Yeah, I heard a week ago or so, and I liked this because it's a good reminder, that worry is a negative prayer, right? Oh, yes. 
Or he is like praying for a negative outcome, I think. It's what I said. Yeah, probably. (laughs) Yeah. It makes us feel like we're doing something when things are out of control. Right. Out of our control. (laughs) (laughs) They are not perhaps out of control. Well, and, you know, out of our control, that's an illusion too, right? We we feel like we had control when they were young because we could pick them up and move them, but not really. Well, we were in different control. We could pick them up and move them. And you can't do that unless, you know, you're like us, you hire two guys to pick (laughs) them up and move them. Um, Another statistic that I came across that's worth mentioning is that like a tiny percentage of people who actually get recovery, get it from going to facilities that are specialized. So rehab facilities. Right. It's like 1% is what I read. I have to double check that. But when you think about all the other options, people stop drinking. People stop using drugs. I know someone who, we know lots of people. Don't ask why. We know so many former drug addicts who lived on streets. Yeah. And now have degrees and very successful lives. And that they don't make the news. Right. There are so many people out there who we don't know. You don't know how many people are walking around who have histories. Well, it reminds me of uh, baby Jessica who fell down a well in Texas. Mm, a million years ago. A million years ago and was saved. But the, the country was riveted for the day that they were trying to get her out of the well or however long. Or the, I barely or the, remember this. The team that got, that got stuck in the caves. Oh, my goodness. Right? The we soccer were, team. The soccer team. Now, getting caught in caves, falling down wells, not very common. But it feel because we get so caught in this right. news cycle. Right. Um, right. You don't get a news thing that all the planes landed today. <laughs> exactly. Worthy of news. News right. flash. Every plane, no incidents. I mean, yesterday, actually, in the New York Times, there was something about, like, you know, there are more close, close. near accidents than we know of, which could send some people into a tailspin. But the truth is the odds are still really good. Yeah. Flying is still the safest way to travel. I don't know, maybe kayaks or more, but it's way safer <laughs> than, I think motorcycles are the least safe. Cars might be next after that. Well, and think of how many near misses there are in a car. Yeah. I mean, you're a good <laughs> and driver and there are near misses. Right. So, yes. So remember when you hear all of the scary statistics that the odds are really good. So as parents, take care of yourselves, lead with love, not control. And remember to build the connection. The connections are so important with your kids at this time. So the practice for the week is remembering that the odds are good and being that steady, calm in the storm. The reality Take a deep breath. Do what you need to do to be the solid place they can land rather than buying into the the hype. Right. And I also want to say that worry in it can get us, particularly I find with parents in the middle of the night. Mm. And, and sleep is really important, as we know, for all of us, not just teens. There's a New York Times bestseller on that. Um, not about teens. It's about adults. Um So in the middle of the night, how do you stop worrying? And this is one of those places where Quinn and I have very different brains. (laughs) So we have very different ways. My go-to in the middle of the night, and this probably was one of the ways that I actually could come to make the decision to 
have Harrison be taken out mm-hmm. of his room in the middle of the night mm-hmm. was because I was getting sleep. And one of the ways I was getting sleep was doing gratitude lists. And I would do A through Z, not just gratitude lists. I mean, I had to be focused because if it was just a gratitude list, I'd go south. And before you knew it, I was doing a deprivation list. Mm-hmm. But if you start with A and you can, you know, do it your way, either A is for apple, because those are good. And B is for banana. I mean, whatever it takes, things that you actually are grateful for, but don't stress over it. Like make it an easy, lightweight kind of thing. If you want to keep going with A until you run out, do that. Go backwards from Z. doesn't matter, but get yourself away from the worrying. Right. And Quinn, your way? Well, my way is is really more of, about distraction mm-hmm. and doing something that requires focus but is incredibly boring. So <laughs> I do times tables or square roots or, you know, like I do some mathy thing that I, I can barely keep track of, but it really focuses my mind and is incredibly dull. So I fall asleep. So with that, we hope that you have a good week, that you're able to continue to practice and to remember that change takes time and practice. We'll see you next week. Thank you so much for tuning in to Plan P. We hope that you enjoyed this episode and gained some valuable takeaways that you can practice this week. And remember, change takes time and practice. To stay connected with us and ensure you never miss an episode, make sure to hit that subscribe button and share our podcast with friends, family, or any other parents who could benefit from our discussions. You can also keep up with all things Plan P on Instagram and TikTok at Plan P is for. If you have any burning questions or specific topics which you'd like us to address on the show, please just email us at connect at planp.us. If you want to talk to one of us, go to our website at planp.us to learn about us and schedule your free coaching session online. All details and links will be in the show notes. We can't wait to reconnect with you on the next episode. See you next week.